he owed him like ten dollars or something and he was like you know asking for the ten dollars and then he was like oh man you know like my stuff's been all out of whack like mercury's in retrograde and he's like man my pockets are in retrograde <laughs> Greetings, folks. Welcome to the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. Keith Billick here. Really happy to have you join me. It is now mid-November, which here in the States means that the election results are in, and I am so happy to report that in a unanimous bipartisan vote, the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast has been elected to another term as the world's top source for awesome banjo interviews and banjo information and inspiring banjo content. So thank you to all who voted. I couldn't have done it without you. And on a more serious note, the people who I really couldn't do this without are my lovely, intelligent Patreon supporters. And today, the Patreon supporter of the show is Cody Crisp. Cody, thank you so much for heading over to patreon.com slash banjo podcast and becoming a supporter of the show. You're making this whole thing work and getting some really cool rewards in exchange. One of those rewards happens to be a monthly video meetup with myself and your fellow VIP listeners. And November's VIP Lounge has just been scheduled for Sunday, November 27th at 7 p.m. That's Eastern Time. Although we just did our daylight savings fallback thing, so I don't even know what Eastern Time means anymore or how many hours it's different from you. All I know is that when my screen says 7 o'clock, I'll be going to that VIP lounge and I hope to see a whole bunch of you there with me. So once again, that's patreon.com slash banjo podcast to join in all the fun and support the show in the process. If Patreon isn't your thing, there are other ways to support the show as well. You can always, for absolutely free, do all the social media algorithmic things, the, the likes, the subscribes, the rates, the reviews, you know, all, all the things that all the other podcasts ask you to do. That does help me out as well, so I thank you in advance for that. You can also drop me a line with any of your questions, comments, concerns, suggestions. That's pickyfingersbanjopodcast at gmail.com. Today's featured guest is Alex Berman, the banjoist and lead vocalist for the Dirty Grass Players. This is an episode that I was still holding on to from my visit to Delfest this past spring. And you know what? I didn't even know who Alex or the Dirty Grass Players were on my way to Delfest. But once people started hearing that I was there, I started getting messages about, oh, the Dirty Grass Players are playing at Delfest. Make sure you go see their set. You should interview Alex from the Dirty Grass Players. I got all these recommendations. So I figured I had to uh, check out what the fuss was about. And I was really glad I did. The Dirty Grass Players put on a killer show. 
and I managed to corner Alex right afterward and lead him right into an interview. So this, this was definitely uh, one of my ambush gorilla style uh, banjo interviews for both Alex and myself, I'll have to admit, but it was really cool getting to know him. He's a great player, a great singer, and of course a good sport about being whisked away to my uh, remote podcasting studio backstage at Del Fest. So put your hands together and welcome Alex Berman of the Dirty Grass Players. Yeah, so my name is Alex uh, Scanlon Berman. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. I pay, uh, play with a band called the Dirty Grass Players. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started banjo... I guess when I was around 17 years old, hmm. I was a like a guitar, electric guitar player. Yeah. When I was younger, I'd heard Jimi Hendrix play the guitar and was like, man, I okay, I need to do this. Yeah. You know, and then I can relate. <laughs> yeah. And so there was a bluegrass jam and a place near my house in Ellicott City, Maryland, kind of mm -hmm. right outside Baltimore that hosted these bluegrass jams. And they also had like shows on the weekend. And, you know, Mike Munford was always there. And, oh, cool. You know, John Glick and just all these monster yeah. musicians. And uh, I just heard the music and was like, wow, man, you know, this is, there's something special going on here, you know? What even made a, a Jimi Hendrix loving high school kid, how did you even end up there? Like I, um, I would never have so, thought to go to Bluegrass Jam, even if it was right yeah. local. <laughs> My friend, uh, Jared Gulliford, he worked with uh, this guy, Tom Minty. Okay. At like right outside of DC, he owns a recording studio called Patuxent Records. All right. He was like just telling me, "Hey man, you got to come down here uh -huh. and, and check it out. You know, you don't have to play. You can just listen and hang out and yeah, you know, grab a burger or something." I was before I could drink, so I couldn't grab a beer, <laughs> but uh, grab a burger and just hang out and just. And so we brought our instruments, and we didn't know what we were doing. You know, you tried to play out. though. We did with yeah. with the the big shots. Yeah. Oh, that's, and uh, that's funny. there was this one banjo player. He was excellent. His name was John Goody. Hmm. He probably doesn't even remember me, but he uh, was an excellent banjo player, just like Scrug style banjo player. Mm -hmm. He was a little crotchety, you know, like when people would start breaking out Grateful Dead tunes or John Denver tunes, he'd <laughs> just like, <laughs> didn't, didn't like put that. the banjo down, <laughs> sit in the corner and like shake his head, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ain't no part of nothing. And, uh, he was like really the first one I heard play the banjo like hmm. well. And so my friend's dad had a banjo and I just kind of borrowed it because he'd never played it mm -hmm. and just messed around on it and it ended up just being the instrument that I And you were converted. I played, yeah. From that point on. I got bit by the the bug, you know. So did that become a regular part of your routine going to these jams and, and yeah. is, I imagine that progressed you pretty well like yeah ha having yeah, that sort of less. opportunity is is not what everyone gets i yeah. don't think so yeah baltimore has kind of a special uh kind of uh niche scene in, in the bluegrass world you know yeah a lot of players i mean del mccurry met bill monroe in a bar in baltimore maryland right. you know so and, cool uh, and yeah we were just talking about the munfords yeah the, the neds and yeah and john all. glick uh you know frank sullivan's not a Baltimore guy, but you know, their their band is that region. Yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of, yeah. I would associate it with Baltimore bluegrass, you know. And the McCurries lived in like near Glen Rock, Pennsylvania, which is only okay. like 
you know, 40 minutes from Baltimore City. Yeah, so strong, strong foundation there, yeah. for sure. Uh, so what were the next steps you took, or what was, what was catching your, your ear? What were you working on in those days? I guess when I started, it was mainly just Crow and Scruggs mm-hmm. were the, you know, people I was listening to. And yeah. really, I guess I was, like, taking ideas from them. Just Foggy Mountain Breakdown and stuff like that. So I, I forget the name of the fella that you mentioned, the, the crotchety old guy. John Goody, yeah. Did he actually become like a, a mentor or teacher for you? Or you just remember <laughs> him as just sort of the, the first guy? Exactly. That, okay. Yeah, he was just the first guy who, uh, who I heard playing the banjo. And then later I heard people like Munford and mm. I was like, whoa, this is, <laughs> you know, and that's who kind of got me wanting to explore with melodic ideas, you know, Hmm. and being able to play, you know, melodic ideas and stuff. And, uh, yeah, because before then I was just playing, you know, just Earl Scruggs-y kind of stuff. And Yeah, um, so, like, I don't know, how long did that... uh, I guess I'm trying to get like how big was your foundation in the the crow scruggs thing before you started branching out a bit? Um not that strong. Okay. Really. And I feel like I always find myself going back mm. to wanting to get more of a foundation with the scruggs stuff and the the crow stuff cuz there's such a it's just such a huge school of of banjo, you know. Right. Yeah, and it, it seems as though the more you advance, the more you pick up on the other stuff that you missed the the previous times. You Definitely. might feel like you're done with it, but you you never yeah you never exactly yeah, <laughs> that's cool yeah. So what were the next steps you took in terms of like finding people to play with and maybe fitting into that community? Um, so we started like a local band. We were called the mm-hmm. Highland Hillboys. Okay, and we had I guess. Are these guys like your age? Or Yeah. Uh, okay. I used to play with this guy, Alex Toko, a lot. And we would, you know, just hang out and, and jam. Mm-hmm. And we used to play like electric guitar together. And then... And he switched over yeah, he with played, you? He played fiddle. Oh, cool. And mandolin. And then, um, yeah, we started playing gigs around the area. And, and then... Just grew from there. Yeah. That's awesome. So at, was there any point in time that you feel like you started to grasp of like what you now recognize as like your style and and I don't know take me take me through some of the aspects of, yeah, of that I guess um so I guess my style would be trying to blend those three style schools of of mm-hmm. banjo which I would call Scruggs style <laughs> yeah. or pro style yeah, the rolling yeah, yeah melodic which is like Bill Keith yeah you know like using utilizing open strings to find and that's more like I guess pianistic because it leaves the the notes sustaining from before mm-hmm. and then there's the single string yeah. more of like what Bela Fleck does so I try to blend those three things seamlessly and how did you get exposed to I mean you you said that Munford started to be a little more of a yeah an influence to you that was maybe when I was around like early 20s like 22 okay or something yeah do you remember how you like any specific things that you worked on to like be able to integrate all those three or maybe even like a a song that you figured out that was 
Yeah, that's uh, a good question. Um, maybe uh, like Leather Britches, you know that tune? Mm -hmm, sure. So like stuff like that, yeah. I started. And I feel like that kind of incorporates, you know, you know, maybe not like force the uh, different um, schools of thought on how to play, but kind of just blend it in, you know. Yeah, as naturally as you exactly, yeah, as you can. Yeah, for sure. I feel like when I was first doing it, I, it felt kind of forced, you know. And yeah, when I was around twenty-five, I started being more comfortable, kind of blending those. And then recently, I've been getting more into the single string stuff. Have you? Yeah. Okay. Like li a little bit. I'm not like super. Do you consider that like, I mean, you're a strong player overall, but is, is that like the weakest aspect? Do you Definitely. feel like you need to focus on yeah. that? Yeah. But then I feel like if I focus on one thing too much, I kind of lose the, the scrugsy <laughs> kind of Kind feel, of a zero you know? sum game. Yeah, yeah exactly. Sure. So it's kind of chasing after something that's never, you know. So how did, is it skipping too far ahead to ask like how the Dirty Grass players came about or are, yeah. are you pretty much there? So we came about, the Highland Hill Boys had just kind of dissolved and then mm -hmm. we um, would get together and drink beer and grill food and just mm -hmm. pick, you know, just with yeah. our friends. Uh, there used to be this guy, Steve Gallagher, who would play, he played like every instrument. Uh -huh. And we would go over to Ben, the, our guitar player, his house, and okay. uh, just pick for like hour to like, you know, three or four in the morning. Yeah. And sometimes crash there, you know. But it was just kind of like a social thing. We didn't take ourselves seriously. It was kind of uh, just a fun get together. And then we decided, you know, let's get a gig or two. Mm -hmm. You know, this is fun. And then, so we started playing gigs and... It just grew from there, I guess. For for listeners who aren't familiar with it, mm -hmm. like in, introduce them to the band. Like, what what should they expect from if they go to see one of your shows? What's the what's the vibe? What's yeah. your approach to the music? Um, so we try to have you know one foot in the kind of traditional, uh, mm -hmm. you know Bill Monroe style thing, and then probably more <laughs> feet in the uh, new grass kind of progressive camp it's it seems like you guys improvise a lot my yeah. my main exposure was the the set i s saw earlier today so i kind of just got a a crash course but yeah it's, it seems pretty improvisational yeah definitely is, is that accurate oh yeah i mean there's some tunes that we have pretty rehearsed and sure like i'll play the same break pretty much every time but then uh -huh. we'll have like an open chord thing where we just kind of let loose and I would love to really dive into some of that. Like yeah. how did how did you either as a band and maybe maybe next we'll talk about how you personally how do you develop that chemistry to to be able to have this like more or less free improv thing yeah. that that you can do on stage? Definitely. So, I guess 3 of the other guys in the band went to to school for jazz music and a everyone except you basically. Everyone except for me. I went to the the you know the bluegrass school at the friendly inn you yeah. Know? <laughs> uh yeah so they know all that stuff okay and i was kind of new to it when i joined the band i you know i'd never played like major seven like <laughs> voicings and stuff like that or 
you know, really improvised on one chord for like a while and then, you know, move on to the next guy, just improvising on, on one chord or idea for like, for a long time. Do you feel like it's important to have that type of knowledge in order to, to be able to do like a group improv, like the, the more jazzy flavored I think uh, it helps. influence? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Having a knowledge of seventh chord voicings and especially like pentatonic stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, I know you had Alex Genova yeah. on your podcast and he, I sat, I got the chance to kind of sit down with him and he showed me some cool stuff like using pentatonic st- stuff, but you like playing, making chords out of it, you know? Like, right. Yeah. Yeah, and stuff like that. So how would you take something, I mean, we can use that as an example yeah. or, or almost anything else that you, you know, have picked up along the way. How, how would you use a piece of information like that, um, like in context? Or is there a, a song that your band plays that you think you find yourself going to that kind of approach? Yeah, we play this one song called uh, Shiny Side Up. Time's moving fast and you better go. That this world I've built around me is falling to its knees. I'm begging for forgiveness, but the, the devil's after me. The devil's after me. That one we just jam on kind of D minor for a, for a while, so you okay. can. You know, like play with the pentatonic scale a lot. Yeah. yeah. So you use not only the chords. I don't even know what you would call those. What what Alex yeah, I, showed you, just like the pentatonic scale pentatonic chords. Pentatonic triads, yeah, or chords or something. And then yeah. you can, you know, you don't have to play it in that, that order necessarily. Like, you know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, but even within the single... Um, the single note passages you're relying a lot on the, those that pentatonic yeah a lot of time and then bit. you can change it to to diatonic you know really right you know yeah how did you become familiar with that stuff and and what would you recommend people work on it in order to become like familiar with how to use those so, or, or what advice, rather? Yeah, yeah. I played electric guitar for a while. Yeah, just kind of stealing ideas from you yeah. know, like I said, Jimi Hendrix and mm-hmm. uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan and totally. huge Almond Brothers fan. So yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, Dwayne Almond, Dickie Betts. It's a oh, he's yeah, he's I'm a huge fan of his. So and the, yeah, that's definitely a hallmark of of his style. Yeah, all, just all, all pentatonic yeah. stuff, pretty, pretty much. much.
And then even armed with like the jazz knowledge mm -hmm. as a group, it seems like there's usually another factor that allows you to be able to actually like perform an improvisation. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, you can you can know what's going on, but yeah. but taking that next step is like it seems like a another hurdle. Yeah. Uh, how would you describe what you guys have done to you know get to the point where you are? Um playing a lot together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just time, you know. And how much are those you know, and I'm going off of my basic knowledge of what your set sounds like, but how scripted are those sections or? Uh... Um, so a lot of times we'll have cues mm -hmm. for when to go to the next section. You know, like if I play a certain lick, that's the cue. We're going to doing guitar solo or going yeah, cool. to the, you know, the four chord or something. Right on. Yeah. So you just, yeah, the musical communication, I guess. Yeah, Exactly. Run me through some of your some just some of your other tricks. I saw I saw you using a lot of these. Um, I don't know if I'd call them like closed melodic shapes and stuff like yeah. that. To show me where those come from. Those were those. You seemed to be really pretty pretty fluent in a lot of those. So yeah, um, a lot of this I learned uh, watching like Nome County okay. play. He's like one of my for sure one of my favorite ba banjo players. Yeah. And uh, he has a lot of stuff where he will do these closed melodic kind of cage position mm -hmm. things. You know. I haven't practiced those in a while. <laughs> I usually use them in context, you know. Yeah. It's like... So, I mean, yeah. you, could, you could put it in context if you want, if there's like a particular piece that you uh, use those with. Yeah. I'll usually just use those in like a jam if we're like jamming on like So like Usually I'll, I'll like you take a melody and try to, to mess with it or like a, a timing thing. I don't uh I don't usually go for that kind of thing in like a, if I'm playing a fiddle tune or something. Okay. I'll uh Yeah. So So just sort of just getting comfortable with those different Yeah. shapes kind of helped you seems yeah, like Yeah, a little bit. Folks, we are in a golden age of online instrument instruction, and at the top of that world is Peghead Nation. Peghead Nation has streaming video courses in banjo, guitar, mandolin, fiddle, dobro, upright bass, and ukulele, so you can learn bluegrass, old time, and plenty of other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in all of Roots music. Check out the courses they have and this is just for banjo you could get beginning or bluegrass banjo with bill evans Clawhammer banjo with evie laden wade ward style banjo with bruce molsky the banjo according to danny barnes and contemporary bluegrass banjo with wes corbett each of those courses include high quality video lessons downloadable notation and tab play along tracks and plenty of tunes and songs to play and the best thing yet is you're going to get your first month free just by being a listener of this show. So go to pegheadnation.com 
and use promo code PICKYFINGERS at checkout and claim your free month of the best instruction out there. And if you find yourself needing a banjo or accessories to get ready for those Peghead Nation courses, I highly recommend you check out Elderly Instruments, which is the world's most trusted source of new used and vintage stringed instruments, including banjos, guitars, violins, mandolins, ukuleles, all that stuff. They're going to have the best instruments you can find anywhere. And we're talking everything from the more affordable instruments for people starting out on up through the most highly sought after vintage instruments. Elderly Instruments has been family owned since 1972. And if you can't make it to their Lansing, Michigan showroom, you can see their full selection at elderly.com or give them a call at 517-372-7880 for some professional advice on all of your banjo and other stringed instrument needs. And you know what all these stringed instruments have in common? They all sound better with GHS strings. GHS Strings is another sponsor of the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast, and I'm proud to say they have been made in Battle Creek, Michigan since 1974. And if you don't want to take my word for it, maybe you'll believe such people as J.D. Crow, Sonny Osborne, and Bela Fleck, just a few of the many, many users of GHS Strings. So go check them out, ghsstrings.com. They have a wide selection of gauged sets so that no matter what you're looking for, you'll be able to find something there. Maybe even just like in more of a general sense, since we're sort of talking about improv in general, Mm -hmm. even with those tools, is there a way that you practice being able to improvise with them and, and to where it doesn't just sound, you know, like what you were just playing... That wouldn't be a solo that you would play. No. Because <laughs> um, it's just too, you know, it's not yeah. that interesting, I guess. No. Uh, so how would you take that and then work on the ability to turn it into something exciting that you, that you would actually want to play? Yeah. So I guess if we're like playing over like an open, like an open A or something. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do a lot of stuff like, uh, like, have you ever, uh, what's a good example? Right. Stuff like that. Like, like kind of a closed melodic thing. Three note scale segments. Yeah, exactly. So that's like playing out of G minor right there. Um, and and just for people listening who can't see what he's doing, uh, are are you able to describe it? Yeah, give us a yeah. Because I, I I do use that quite a bit. I think it yeah. is a really useful yeah pattern to become familiar with. So I guess the roll I'm doing with my right hand is uh that's a uh, forward roll starting on the 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 first string yeah 
one, and then you have to one, five two one is yeah. the string pattern. Yep, one five two one, and then you have to bring your index finger down. I mean, I guess you could do it, you know, just playing the uh, the middle finger again, but mm-hmm. it kind of catches you up. It's if gonna you're, be tricky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Man, sorry. So you take that idea, or you bring your index finger down to the one instead of playing the the uh, the middle finger on the first string. Yeah, again. so it keeps the roll pattern exactly. Going. Yeah, and then you just take the. I'm fretting the. Uh, I guess the. Uh, is that the the ninth fret? Sorry, that's the eighth. Yeah, it's uh, that's nine. Ninth. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm the same I'm way. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so it's nine eight. And then seven on the fifth string. So it's one, two, and the fifth string. Yeah. And then I move it up to, I guess that'd be 10, 10, and nine. Mm-hmm. And that's again is uh, one, two, and five string. So. Yeah, and if you know your scales, once you have that in yeah. place, it just systematically exactly. goes up on each of those strings. Yeah. yeah. And then you can do the same thing with the, the first, second, and third string. You know. That's oh, <laughs> Yeah, the, like half diminished thing. Yeah, you end. can definitely move all over the neck with both of those. Yeah, so that's a cool idea that I I do sometimes. So those are more skills, but like I guess what I'm using was it trying in a musical get, kind of using it in a musical way, and like yeah, how how do you practice turning that into interesting things? Because you're not you're not going to just do that. You're going to mix that with the thing you did before, yeah. and some other things, and some other things after that. Like, do you do you have a a thing that you do? when you're just practicing on your own to take advantage of those improv situations? Yeah, so I'll uh, try it. If I'm improvising over like a, a fiddle tune, say, mm-hmm. I'll try to just incorporate those ideas into it, you know, in like a musical way and making it not sound, you know, real meticulous or uh, now, robotic, I guess. When you do that, are you essentially composing a solo slowly or do you just like loop it and play and play and play and play um i've done both okay so sometimes i'll just loop it and just kind of play with different ideas you know and then sometimes i will slow like break it down and compose it and have like an arrangement of uh just kind of messing with those ideas around a how about for a a band tune that you know you're going to have to perform a lot do you find yourself composing a lot for that or, or are you pretty off the cuff when it, it comes depends to on the tune okay. if it's weird i will definitely compose something yeah, you know yeah. or if i really liked the idea and i thought it fit the song real well i'll you know try to go back to it yeah and then maybe i'll change like a little thing in there uh or i'll you know flub it at the time and then like just go <laughs> yeah. with the you know go with the punches embrace it yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of other things I, I 
saw you do today that, that caught my ear. I feel like I heard you do, this might be hard to describe, some patterns where you're fretting a note that is a half step off of an open string and kind of rocking back on those. Does that sound familiar? Huh. So what do you, what do you mean? Explain that again. Fretting a note, like let's say uh, third fret B flat yeah. down the neck um, on the third string. And then maybe doing something like a middle thumb, index thumb with a... Middle thumb, index thumb. So, something, yeah. Did yeah, I hear yeah. you do, doing something yeah, like definitely. that? Yeah, definitely. And then... That, yeah, stuff probably. like that. Yeah, show me a few of those. So I learned this kind of idea from uh, Ben Eldridge. Oh, uh, cool. Old banjo player from yeah. the, the seldom scene. He's one of my favorites. And he always plays this lick over everything. And so, I don't know, you can kind of play with that. Okay. You know, something like that. And then you can take that kind of idea, I guess, and do... You know... So that's one. I guess. Yeah. Thing. But yeah, that's that's something That's something I'd, I would have heard you think. Yeah, probably. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then another thing that uh, I guess comes from the kind of his thing is that when before you go to oh. the the four chord, you know. Yeah, is that like contrary motion yes, happening? Exactly. Is that what that is? Yeah. Okay. And then there's another one. Something like that. Those are all Ben Eldridge. Out of that kind uh, of, yeah. Or, or inspired by Ben inspired Eldridge. Inspired by Ben Eldridge, yeah. Cool. And so you came up with those yourselves, figuring out the kind of, some, yeah. Some contrary Just motion. Messing around. That's really with, cool. You know, have, so what I'm doing there is uh, fifth string or uh, third string, fifth fret with my pinky, uh, second string, second fret, and then leaving the the D string open. Yeah. You know. Yeah, very cool. So that's um, a little Yeah, cool I thing. mean, be before we move on, I, I have such a, a limited exposure to your plan. Like, what, what else should I ask you? Like, if there was a student that came and said, uh, Alex, I want to play exactly like you, what type of huh. lessons would you would you give them? I guess it depends on how advanced they are, you know? Let's say they like, have all the skills that you do and they just, they just need guidance. They just want to learn guidance. some yeah, stuff, yeah. I guess. Um, or maybe not even necessarily. What, you know, yeah, I, I guess that would be interesting is like, if there's something that comes to mind of like what you did to build up the skills that you have or what a student should do to... Yeah, to, so a lot of things I that I would... I don't know if I'd even call it like my signature thing, but I just find just myself something that you use a lot yeah. playing all the time is taking an idea from down the neck and trying to work it up the neck. And a lot of times I'll play like if it's in Mixolydian, um, mm -hmm. I'll use the minor third a lot, like kind of real Bill Monroe y. You know? Mm -hmm. And then if I'm playing like G, that's like G Mixolydian. Thank you. 
trying to find like a, I guess like a map of that around the instrument. And then if I'm in like D minor. You know, like something like that. Yeah. So when you say try to play something down and up the neck, is there like a, a song that comes to mind that maybe you've worked on recently that you you have like a down yeah. and up the neck? Yeah. So that you could show the process for what what that looks like. Yeah. So uh, our mandolin player Ryan wrote this tune. It's uh, he names it Pockets in Retrograde, <laughs> which is a weird. <laughs> He got it from, I guess, uh, one of his friends was like asking, uh, or like he like owed him like $10 or something. And he was like, you know, asking for the $10. And then he was like, oh man, you know, like my stuff's been all out of whack. Like Mercury, Mercury's yeah. in retrograde. Right, right, He's right. like, man, my pockets are in retrograde. <laughs> so that's where he got the idea of the song. That's but funny. Yeah, not to like take us off of the... Thing, but that's well, I hope when he records it, he makes at least ten dollars out of uh, like Spotify plays to, right. <laughs> to pay him back for the the money that the song yeah. cost him to get the title. Yeah, but this one's in like D minor, and uh, so the chord progression is like. And then, so I'll, uh, what I've kind of arranged is. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> That's and like. Is, then is there like an up the neck version of that? Is that what you were. That would getting be at? pretty cool. I, sh I probably should do that. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not really. If I like improvise on the tune, I would. Like something like that, you know? Are you pretty much thinking just D minor the whole time through that? Kind or? of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Or F. I, I think a okay, lot of. Right. You yeah. can do the same kind of stuff over F because they're. It's the relative And that kind of covers some of the C tonality, too, yeah. with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, anything else come to mind for this student that comes to you and, and, and yeah. wants, um, wants to be your banjo doppelganger? Yeah, another thing I, I like to do is uh, I've been working a lot, a lot of, on triplets recently. Oh, cool. Or... Uh, another i don't do it a lot but like the the more irish throwing, sounding yeah one. and i try to like throw like little triplets i guess like the uh i don't know i'm not in b flat but if i were to play the new camp town races i, I throw some of that stuff in there you know okay little triplets and then another cool thing, I guess, is like, it's kind of a triplet, I guess. Uh, That's like a Nomi kind of thing. Yeah. 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 How are, how are you playing that? I've seen different people play stuff like that different ways. So I guess you can, 
You can add that fifth string in. The, you know. Yeah. Or you can just like omit it all together. But you're picking each one of the triplets. Yeah. I've I've seen some people do it as like a sweep. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't ever do I don't Sam e Guthridge does a lot of that stuff actually. Does he? Yeah. What a madman. Yeah. No, I that's... can't I can't get a hang of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Matt Menefee is another guy who just is throwing that stuff all over the place. Yeah. It's like pretty pretty absurd. <laughs> it's, it's extremely absurd. Yeah. I know this is a banjo podcast, but tell me I don't I don't even necessarily know what to ask, but I was impressed by your singing too, which oh, is thanks, which is man. uh I guess kind of rare for for a banjo player to have like yeah. a, a strong lead vocal. When did I mean has that is that something you've always done? And yeah. Uh, I don't know. Talk, talk about that. So that's also what really got me into bluegrass music hmm. is the three-part harmony and the just the powerful singing, you yeah. know? Like people really using their diaphragm and, and singing really well. A person who is a big influence of mine is Tim O'Brien from oh, sure. Hot Rise. Yeah. And of course, like Lester Flatt and Jimmy Martin. And I told Sam that you seem like a. Uh, are you familiar with Dave Evans, that old bluegrass guy? No, I'm not. Oh, familiar. I told him that you're a jamgrass version of oh, Dave yeah. Evans. <laughs> he's just he's just got like a really. It, it's a compliment. It's yeah, not a, <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> I figured that much. But you know, he, he's a very like old school bluegrassy, but he, he sings with a lot of the same, uh, like you said, a lot of diaphragm. Yeah. Is he a banjo support. player too? Yeah, he's a great banjo player. Wow. All the tears may that another always knowed your love for me And I'm just alone, I am alone I can be All driven to ragging up We're just too young Any singing tips? Asking for myself here. Yeah. <laughs> how how to get that powerful? Type yeah, of just work on sound. your uh, your diaphragm, I guess, and work on um, try not to sing in your your head voice so much. I, I hear mm. a lot of people, especially nowadays, when they sing. I guess because back in the day when bluegrass was coming around, a lot of these people would sing in the church, you know, and mm -hmm. they were just out of the womb, you know, like going to church and just singing and like belting yeah. out these. I guess, what would you call it? Like sacred hymns, hard yeah. kind of like uh, shape note singing. That was like a big part of the beginning of bluegrass mm -hmm. singing. So I, I would say just, you know, try to use your diaphragm as much much as you can and try to get c good control over it. And Phew. Yeah. It's intimidating. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not a natural, but I'm, I'm trying to be. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm envious of that kind of stuff. Talk about your instrument here. Tell, tell me what banjo you're playing and, uh, yeah. you, you know, g give the 
Banjo Nerds all the information about the cool. the bridges and the picks and the capos and yeah. So this is a um, a style eleven. It's an early thirties. Oh, and let's see the back of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's got the mother. Of gotta toilet. gotta show that. Yeah. yeah, the mother of toilet seat. Hold on, oh, take if, off if, my you, if you gotta disassemble, I'll just this. do okay. this. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, there's even just like a little bit of blue just or whatever that is. Kind of a shading of blue around the edge, right? And then the uh, the paint has worn off a bunch on the side. Oh, that looks cool. Yeah, and then the the flange is really pulled up. Oh yeah. The neck. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I've had this for maybe six years now. I got it from a guy named uh, Dave Shankman. Sure. Uh, the Turtle Hill Turtle guy. Turtle Hill banjo. Yeah. 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 And what neck is that? So a guy named Richie Dotson. Mm-hmm. He made the neck for it. Wonderful. Yeah, it's a mahogany. Did it come with that, or you? So I bought it as that is out. right now, uh, except for the bridge and the nut that's on it right now. Okay. Um, it has, I guess, uh, Godo tuners. I did replace the armrest on it, and it has a. Oh man, I'm blanking on his name. Snuffy Smith. <laughs> oh, a bridge. Snuffy Bridge. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. I, I cut you off when you were talking about the neck. It's you just said Richie and, oh, yeah. and he, uh, Richie it's Dotson mahogany. Made, okay. Yeah. Wonderful. I would like to get like maybe a, a wider neck. I feel like when I'm in the the heat of a solo, sometimes if I fret the first string, if oh, I'm not too careful, it'll falls off the edge. It'll come off the okay. edge there. Yeah, but yeah, that's not good. You know, once I save up the money, I've been thinking about going to, I don't know, maybe like Huber or something, getting a... And I've been A little wider. Yeah, and maybe experimenting with getting a radiust neck since I've been kind of... Uh, well, I don't have it here, but man, if I run into you, I should let you play mine. Mine, uh, it's a Sullivan, but it is wider and it is yeah. radiused. I think it'd be pretty close. I don't know, it might be useful for you to... Is it a to, Sullivan banjo? Or Yeah, it is. Oh, cool, man. Yeah, it's, it's really cool, but... It, from what you just described, I think it's like going to be close to what you're describing. Yeah. See, see if you like it. I don't know. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, I'd love to. Are Are you someone who's into the like pre-war? Uh, so I was vibe. kind of like led down that kind of road, you know, through, via the internet and like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all the different roads you can go down there. And um, I've played some ridiculously nice like modern banjos mm -hmm. tom neckville makes some sure. wonderful banjos yeah. and um like like i said steve huber yeah it's a great banjo builder mm -hmm. yeah i don't know i've just gotten kind of comfortable playing this one um i don't think you need to get a you know you're not gung-ho okay yeah and this has an aftermarket tone ring too so any idea what kind it's that a, is yeah a bill blaylock tone ring oh cool yeah, it's a 20-hole uh, Bill Blaylock tone ring. Do you think there is something to be said for the the magical pre-war tone? Like, is there something that you hear out of that that you think yeah. a new banjo, as nice as it might be, just doesn't quite have? I do feel like the uh, the rim has a lot to do with the sound. Hmm. And this particular band, I feel like it has a, a lot of low end on okay. it, especially on the fourth string. It kind of mm -hmm. has like a, a growl, you know, that yeah. I don't hear on... A lot of other banjos, but okay. I've heard modern banjos that that do have that, you know. So yeah, just yeah. some some voodoo. Yeah, but I did go to Carter Vintage and play like an original, you know, flat top. Yeah. Pre-war, it was like a 1939 style 75. 
that was yeah (laughs) so there's there's definitely something to that you know but i don't have like that'd be major wallets and retrograde or pockets (laughs) Pockets yeah i don't have a hundred fifty thousand dollars to cough up on a I think if we get yeah, I think if we get all the banjo players together, we might be able to work out a timeshare on yeah. that, pitching five right. bucks each or something. <laughs> yeah. What about the rest of your gear? You you have a stage setup that you yeah. Uh, so I I used to play with this uh, micro. It's like a it was a clip on microphone, mm-hmm. and it was a AT thirty five. I think is what it was called, and they discontinued that. And I, oops, sorry, I was gonna um. Get the like the new model. It's called like the AT three fifty. Right. But then I stumbled upon this. It's like a Shure Beta ninety eight H. Oh, cool. And it's wireless, so I can you know walk around and yeah, cool. Do cartwheels and yeah, <laughs> so, some backflips. Yeah, backflips and cartwheels and uh, yeah. I've found it. It sounds good. You know, it's nothing's gonna sound like your banjo like in front of your face while you're practicing but i i feel like it gets a pretty good tone and then i use a uh grace designs alix mm-hmm. and i just plug into that so when i saw you 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 had that mic the the sure thing and then the 57 on, and then also a stand mount yeah. mic is that some you, you always do that or was that something weird for today Pretty much we always do that unless we're in a really wonky room where it's going to feed back, you know. I guess I'm surprised that the room that you're in wasn't a wonky It was room. a pretty wonky looking room. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that, how are yeah. you getting away with that? So we brought our own front of house guy. Okay. And he kind of dialed everything in. And All right. And what's the strategy for having... What what was the stand, Mike, did you say? Was it Beta 57? I forget what you said. Uh, the one that's on the stand? Yeah, yeah. That yeah. was a, uh, yeah, just a 57. It was a Beta 57, exactly. Okay. And then what's your strategy? Is that basically a solo boost when you step into that? Or so, what's, what's the system that you... Yeah, I pretty much have that on the same level as I have my boost set. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's if I want to take like a quick fill or something, or I don't have time to you know, press the, the pedal, I'll just walk <laughs> up the to the coordination. <laughs> exactly. If you're mid cartwheel and your feet yes. can't get down there. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. So you can use either or mm-hmm. kind, kind of interchangeably. Yeah. Do you ever use both? Sometimes. Ultimate yeah. rage mode. Yeah, exactly. Engaged. I do feel like the 57 gives a more natural sound of huh. what my banjo sounds like. So More natural even than the... The sure then the sure oh yeah. interesting I feel like it captures more low end okay than the sure does I so, could just be my you know <laughs> no I, imagination I, but I, I wouldn't be surprised yeah. so so you think maybe at at times you that might be your default way of of getting the boost yeah um and then you just use the one on the Alex for mm-hmm. if you think you might be moseying around yeah stage kind of thing exactly interesting yeah any other any other gear I didn't hear like. Um, stomp boxes from you anyway no um, but I haven't, do, do I don't, you use any of that stuff i don't really mess much with with pedals i did have like a a, a phaser on there for a while like the pete wernick right, kind of yeah. style thing cool and i at a certain point i had a uh an envelope filter on there which the, was pretty cool the garcia yeah tone it was like a elect yeah the, like the garcia kind of uh-huh. thing but uh yeah recently i've just i just like the sound of a band, I let the other guys do that, you know, do the weird stuff. Yeah, you you just didn't 
didn't vibe with it enough and yeah and i feel like it's i i'm it's weird with the microphone doing it if i had like a fishman pickup i would definitely mess with that a lot more okay and uh i do have like a solid state kind of electric guitar with a fifth string you know Mm -hmm. strung like a banjo Mm -hmm. and i have like a little amp and sometimes I'll That's mess fun. around mess around at my house and like play with a bunch of effects and stuff but yeah cool yeah anything else I forgot to ask that you want people to know about like you or your playing or the or the band anything like that yeah i guess just check out the dirtygrassplayers.com and we're on facebook and uh instagram and do all the following and, yeah and we have a bunch of shows coming up and uh yeah, man. Well, I, I had a blast seeing you guys, so I'm glad we got to awesome. run into each other and touch base, and I'll, I'll keep my eye out for you from now on. Absolutely. Thanks, Keith. Yeah, thanks. Really appreciate it. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. The song clips you heard in this episode were Riptide by the Dirty Grass Players, Shiny Side Up by the Dirty Grass Players, Blue Sky by the Almond Brothers Band, Senor by Tim O'Brien, Just to Hear Her Sweet Voice by Dave Evans, and then Wake Up by the Social Harp Singers. Thank you once again to this episode's Patreon supporter of the show. That's Cody Crisp. Head over to patreon.com slash banjo podcast to support the show yourself and receive amazing rewards in the process. Join me this November 27th, that's on a Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern for this month's VIP lounge open to all Patreon subscribers. I hope to see you there. I hope you have a great rest of your November and I'll talk to you next time.